1: Our weekly podcast looking into God's love and grace, His mercy. The New Covenant, uh, as contrasted with the Old Covenant, which, as Hebrews 8.13 says, was made obsolete. And uh, we're no longer under that. In fact, as Gentiles, we were never under it in the first place. We came to God by grace, through faith, with no covenant. And now we have a covenant. And uh, the Jews, of course, had the tutor of the law to point them to faith in Christ, and now that they've come to faith, they're no longer under the law. So here we are, all of us who are of faith, not under the law, although there are people who say that even though we've believed and have faith, God's law still stands. God's Ten Commandments haven't been done away with, not to mention the other 603, and so that's kind of what we're taking some time to talk about here uh, last week and this week. Right here on Growing a Grace. How's Mister Mike DeCappler doing?
0: I am fine, Joel. I'm fine, fine, <laughs> fine. I think we want to get right back into this because last week, as you mentioned toward the end of the program, it, it went by pretty fast, and we were kind of centered on the passage of Colossians around chapter two, verse thirteen and fourteen. Hopefully, you caught last week's program, GrowingInGrace.org. You can go back and check it out and get caught up with us. In fact, when you go there, you'll see the the most recent programs first, but you can go back for years if you want to. But so we were talking about this last week, and basically, we we were talking about some Christian propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, Good word, legalistic it. propaganda that somebody had sent to us on a short video. And and this is really, some of the stuff that's being said with this material is is not all that unusual. But the case they were trying to make was, even though they contradicted themselves, they said, well, the law is unchangeable. But then they went and changed it. They pointed out in their view that Colossians chapter 2 is talking only about the ceremonial laws. They would argue that after Christ died, no one needed to sacrifice animals anymore, and that certainly is true. Mm-hmm. That was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, right? So they were talking about Paul in Colossians 2 when he said what he said, let, let me pull that up. I'm actually reading from the ESV here, but you who That's were right. dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside. He nailed it to the cross, disarmed rulers and authorities and so on. So their argument is that this canceling of the written code was the part of the law that Moses wrote regarding ceremonial issues. But clearly, as we've talked about many times on this podcast and and in recent weeks, the entire law came together as a package. It could not be broken up. Now, you can divide them up for your own desire to gain an understanding about different aspects of the law if you want to, but ultimately, they were all together in the same package. Moral laws, sacrificial laws, ceremonial laws, dietary laws, whatever laws you want to throw in there, they all came together in something called the law, and it couldn't be broken up. You couldn't take some away. You couldn't add to it. I know it sounds like we're beating a dead horse here. But at least we're not sacrificing it, right, Joel? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, because that wasn't even under the, in the law. I don't think. I don't <laughs> think they had horses <laughs> or sacrifices. They did have some odd things uh, by today's standards, but nevertheless, it was what God told the people to do, and they did do those things. When, you know, they had daily sacrifices and they had yearly sacrifices. They had different types of sacrifices under those. But the point of the sacrifices was that they could have at least what they thought, they could have a conscience in which all of their sins that they had done were covered somehow. Although, the Hebrews tells us that in those sacrifices, there's actually a a reminder of sins every year. That's really what those sacrifices did. So it's good that they were done away with and replaced with this one perfect sacrifice of Jesus, but, many people will say, there's a but. You have to Keep following God's law because, you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so they think he's talking about the law. He's talking about, in their minds, a lot of them are talking about just the Ten Commandments because, again, they do think that those ceremonial laws, rightly, and they do think rightly that the sacrificial laws, all of those have been done away with. But Jesus is talking about keeping those Ten Commandments. And one thing that is often brought up is, well, Do you keep the Sabbath? How are you doing on that? And it's not going to church on Sunday. That's not the Sabbath. It's not staying away from the malls on Sunday. But the Sabbath was actually Friday sunset until Saturday sunset, and it said in the commandment, you shall do no work on that day. And it said that the punishment for that, this is how severe, this is how strongly God felt about the Sabbath as far as the law went. You shall do no work. The punishment is death. In fact, in Numbers 15, towards the end of that chapter, you'll find a man that was picking up sticks. That's all he was doing, doing some yard work on the Sabbath, just picking up some sticks. He wanted to build a fire. Somebody found him. They inquired of the Lord what should be done, and the Lord said, he shall surely be put to death. So, Is it a matter of doing your best to rest on Sunday, (laughs) or if you strictly follow the Sabbath, Friday sundown till Saturday sundown? No, it's not about trying your best. It's about you shall do no work. And so right there, people are really only following the nine, if they do indeed keep the other nine, uh, which many people don't, because it's impossible to do. And the point of this, of course, is that if we're supposed to keep God's laws, are you really keeping them? How are you really doing on that? And like you were saying, well, people say, I'm trying, I'm trying my best, and that just simply won't do. And when we are hammering this down, the law's demand was perfection. And if you're not perfect, you can't do it. And so the law was against us. It was contrary to us. It had to be taken out of the way. We were talking about Colossians 2. Ephesians 2 also talks about this But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off, and he's talking about the Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, that's Jew and Gentile, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, abolishing in his flesh the enmity. And here I just want to pause right here, because a lot of people say Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he indeed didn't abolish it himself. He fulfilled the law. But then something happened. The law was fulfilled in him. And it says here in Ephesians 2, he broke down the barriers of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity. In his flesh, the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So what was abolished in Jesus' flesh? The law of commandments contained in ordinances so that he in himself might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. See, the problem was neither the Jews who had the law could keep the law, nor the Gentiles who didn't have the law could live up to the standard of perfection. Nobody could do it. It was against us. It was contrary to us. Good, just, and holy, yes, but it was against us. Nobody could keep it, and so that's why it had to be nailed to the cross and, and taken out of the way.
0: Completely taken out of the way. You refer to that story about uh, the guy picking up sticks on the Sabbath and being put to death for such an offense, and people today in Christianity will say, well, that type of harsh punishment has been done away with. Again, trying to pick and choose which laws are to be kept and which ones aren't. And, and I'll agree that that type of harsh punishment has been done away with. But mm-hmm. that's because the entire law has exactly. been put aside, <laughs> not a line-item veto situation where you, you cross some things off and leave some things on. We, we needed the entire thing to be abolished. We needed the entire covenant to become obsolete and replaced with something new and better that would be established upon better promises than us just giving it our best shot at trying to be a doer of the law. There had never been a doer of the law until Jesus came along. He was the fulfiller of the law. You were talking last week too, Joel, about, because we, we, we've been kind of harping on this thing about the inconsistency that is found in Christian doctrine about trying to keep the law. And so people have been programmed in much of churchianity when they, when they read a certain passage about the law they just think it's got something to do with ceremonial and sacrificial laws, but it doesn't apply to the other laws that we would try to attach to Christianity today. A lot of people get in that boat, and it's a it's a boat with a hole in it, by the way. Mm-hmm. And so they, that's how they read the Scripture. They just think that, well, we, we still have the Ten Commandments, as you said, the Nine Commandments, and and some of the other things that, that Jesus mentioned, uh, referring to Old Covenant commands. You know, again, rightly dividing the word of truth. Jesus was ministering under the old covenant. The new covenant hadn't started yet at the birth of Jesus. It was at his death. And so he spent much of his time ministering to the Jewish people who were under the law. We non-Jewish Gentiles never were under this law to begin with. But you mentioned something last week about a website or something that you had come across where a thousand and fifty commandments found in the New Testament. You know, they keep these and you won't experience condemnation, but you'll experience blessings. Well, Romans 8, put aside all those Ten Commandments, put aside all those 613 commands, and the now, 1,050 <laughs> found in the New Testament, put them all aside. Because there is, therefore, Romans 8, 1, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, get this. God is did what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. How? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh uh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, good news, Jesus did it all on our behalf.
1: Yeah, and I think that really highlights something that people miss the point, like in this video and and other people that I've heard say, well, what God's done for us in Christ, what He's done for us is He has enabled us to keep the law. God's grace enables us to keep the law, and therefore, you know, (laughs) there's— (laughs) There's no condemnation. But really, like you're saying here, the reason there's no condemnation has nothing to do with what we do or don't do. If you look at that, what you just read there from Romans 8, those first few verses, it says nothing about what we do. It just says what Christ has done. That's what it's all about, what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. He has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law couldn't do it. We couldn't keep the law enough because of our weak flesh, and God did it then by sending his own Son in the son, in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who keep the law. no. We do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And those who walk according to the flesh are those who are trying to obtain and maintain righteousness by what they do. Those who walk according to the Spirit are those who walk according to faith. Well, we come to the end of this one. Next week, well, people say we're justified, instant justification. Many people agree with that. But then they say there's this long, drawn-out, lifelong sanctification process that we go through. Eventually, we'll be sanctified. We're working towards being more and more sanctified. Are we justified now, but sanctified eventually? (laughs) We'll talk about that next week on Growing in Grace.
0: This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more... Growing in Grace.